with us. I'm Nicole. I'm the mom. And I'm Mira. And I'm the daughter. And since it's about uh, a week past Halloween, we thought we'd talk about Halloween because we're we're really good at planning. That's right. why. Yeah. <laughs> How was your Halloween? Um, it was okay. I stayed at home because pandemic. Right. No, no partying. Um, <laughs> my uh, one of my best friends moved in a while ago though, so we got to hang out together. We dressed up with each other. We video called our other two best friends. We had like a long video chat session while my friend in Vancouver handed out candy every time her <laughs> doorbell got rang. And, and you were in costumes? My friend in Edmonton was carving a pumpkin and me and my best friend at my house were dressed in costumes and that was what we were all doing. <laughs> all just vaguely Halloween-ish. That was pretty good. Did you get trick-or-treaters? Um, I got one and I took too long to get to the door, so no. <laughs> oh. That, that, and they hang out a long time because I watched the. Like, oh, it was like it was like under thirty seconds, and I like oh. opened the door and they were gone. Wow. Because um, <laughs> tea on myself. Um, me and my friend were taking pictures of ourselves in our costumes, and she's so much taller than me that I had to put on heels to like be an acceptable height standing next to her while we took pictures. So then I was wearing heels and had to go down a flight of stairs to answer the door, and that's why it took me thirty seconds. <laughs> Understandable. I'm not very good at the like heels plus stairs situation. Flat surfaces, I've kind of got a handle on at this point. Well, stairs, not so much. I took your eight-year-old sister trick-or-treating with, well, the neighborhood. It was a fairly largish gang of parents and children from the ages of uh, two to eight. And there was like eight or nine kids in our group. And they, yeah, I was just wondering because there was several houses where clearly there was no one home and they would go and run up and ring the bell anyway and just stand there and stand there and stand there and we'd be saying there's nobody there let's try a different house come on and like they just wanted to wait just in case and um i left a big a box of halloween candy outside while we went out and just said please take three on it and that seemed to work there was still some left when, when I came back and there was one house that the kids went to that it said um, they'd le- done the same thing left out a bowl of candy with a sign that said take one each and so the kids came back and they were like the sign said take one each so I've got one Snickers and one Kit Kat oh and God. one Smarties and one Mars bar and one <laughs> it's like oh that didn't malicious compliance yeah um, but they had fun malicious compliance yeah so thought I'd start with a little history of Halloween. I too did history research. Okay. This was just, mine is a, a briefish history. Okay. So I have um, that the origins of Halloween date, date back to the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain? Samhain. It's Samhain? like, people usually pronounce it Samhain because well, that's, that's it how it's like. pronounced yes. or spelled, I should say, but it's usually pronounced like Samhain, Samhain. Okay. And the pronunciation I had was S-O-W- Dash I N. So the I ones that I saw sound. were S A A dash W N or S I S A O W I N, where it's like Sawin. Okay. Um, so, anyways, um, in that festival, people would like bonfires and wear costumes to ward off ghosts. Yeah, fire festivals were just what they had in between seasons. And this was they lived about two thousand years ago, so that was but that sort of idea has been around for a while. Yeah. 
Um, November 1st marked the end of summer and the end of the harvest and the beginning of the cold, dark winter, which was associated with death because 2,000 years ago. True. Um, And so November 1st was considered their New Year's. And the night before the New Year, October 31st, was um, the boundary between the, the living and the dead blurred, they believed, on that day, and ghosts returned. And then in the 8th century, the Pope designated November 1st as All Saints Day, and then the evening before that as All Hallows' Eve. So these two things kind of combined and morphed into Halloween. Mm -hmm. And then um, immigrants from European areas, I'm assuming, uh, brought those over to North America where it continued to evolve. Uh, And then in the 1800s, there was a move to change Halloween from kind of ghosts and pranks and witchcraft to more of a community event and parties and that sort of thing so a lot of the sort of superstitious and religious overtones of the whole thing faded at that point mm-hmm. um, trick-or-treating was an, an old practice and where people would go door-to-door asking for food and money and so that was kind of revived at that time to deter vandalism I think it's weird to think of vandalism in the 1800s but I guess there's always been punks true uh, so yeah, that was just that was just sort of my brief history of uh, where it came from and how it sort of evolved to what we know today. Yeah, so we'll call that the TLDR version. <laughs> if you don't uh, use internet, that's too long, didn't read. Now we're here for the long version. <laughs> you can skip this part if you want because I'm going to go a lot more in depth. <laughs> Mira has pages of notes in front of her. I, I really do. Uh, so yes, it began as the Celtic Pagan Festival of Samhain. Um, it was a religious event and people did believe that the barrier, the veil between the spirit world and the material world thinned out. And in addition to ghosts being able to walk among humans, humans were able to go into the ghost realm as well. But this came with a lot of, you know, scary costs kind of thing. It, you were liable to just get lost in there and not be able to find your way back before the veil closed again. Unfortunately. So... It was considered like a dangerous thing that you weren't supposed to do. This was also the time when fairy-like people were considered to move from like their summer home to their winter home kind of thing, Mm -hmm. which they absolutely include in the Tinkerbell movies. But anyways, (laughs) there's like summer fairies and winter fairies. Anyways, um, so the fairies move and they take their like captured humans from one point to the next. So this is the time when people can get back their people that have been taken by the fae before they're like eternally theirs kind of thing so it was just a time where like supernatural forces and human forces were considered like kind of hand in hand they were really intermingling together and the celtic festival seemed like some sources that i read were like they would dress up to hide themselves they you know didn't want to be noticed by um (laughs) they didn't want to be noticed by the spirits that were malevolent and wanted to do harm to humans that were on earth but in some cases it seemed like it was more like they were just kind of partying with them i don't know (laughs) it seems like people are conflicted on what's going on there exactly but i mean allowing ghosts to cross over doing all kinds of uh fun spooky things why are you making so much eye contact with me while you're using my pen (laughs) I'm trying not to make noise as I put the pen down. Okay. Um, When colonial America happened, when America started being colonized by good old white people, Halloween basically wasn't allowed. It, you know... Oh, Puritans. Yeah, the Puritan uh, culture and 
they they just you know they weren't too into it uh their protestant sensibilities were a bit delicate for that and i can they, see that being fairly offensive to them yeah so um it was very popular in the British Isles, and when people came and colonized America, the Puritans were basically like, well, either it's too pagan or or it's too Catholic, so you pick. <laughs> either way, it's not allowed. We can't have it. Which I think is funny. It's too pagan or it's too Catholic. You decide. Hmm? 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 But the answer's no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The answer's no. Um... Elements of Halloween celebrations were being incorporated into secular harvest celebrations in the 1800s, but they weren't, like, quite Halloween as, like, as it would be recognized kind of thing, you know? Uh, the 1900s saw lots of immigrants coming into America. The mid-1900s saw lots of Irish immigrants because of the potato famine. These Irish immigrants bought a lot of customs that basically made Halloween what it is today kind of thing. <laughs> um... Halloween has basically existed in a recognizable form for, like, the last hundred years. It's basically been the same. Like, we would be able to recognize Halloween for what it was if we went back a hundred years kind of thing. Right. In the 1920s, news articles were advertising to adults of, like, come celebrate the nostalgia of Halloween in your childhood with a Halloween party. And it's like, they were already catering to nostalgia for adults in the 1920s for Halloween. (laughs) So, you know, like it would be recognizable to us which i think is weird how many like modern day holiday things do we have that are still in their recognizable form yeah from 100 years ago like it changes so dramatically like people don't really like christmas carol anymore like you know there's just stuff like that where like easter isn't really celebrated the same unless you're like from a very religious family now it's about bunnies and chocolate yeah now it's all just like chocolate and like purdies all the way. That's it. <laughs> Just purdies as far as the eye can see is pretty much what Halloween or Easter is now. Um, in celebration of mischief, children would dress up in costume and would be paid in money and fruit in exchange for poems, songs, or jokes instead of prayers, which is what used to be what they would do. They would like pray and then get fruit and money instead, oh. but then it was like, now it's like the arts kind of thing. They were doing poetry, they were doing jokes, they were doing a little dance, you know? Well, you know, I hear things about, like, in um, some states in the U.S., mm-hmm. where it's still very much a thing that you have either a trick or a joke that you do before they give you a treat, mm-hmm. and so you go house to house, the normal thing, and if you're, like, a little kid, like, you know, yeah. two, three, four years old, you do, like, a somersault or something. Presumably these are the warmer states and not where they're somersaulting in the snow. Yeah. But they have some sort of trick they have to do before they get the candy. Or if you're a little older, it's a joke. And, like, the kids will will have, like, their Halloween joke prepared. And so yeah, they, they tell the same joke at every house or the same two jokes or whatever. But they, they all will ask each other, what's your, do you have your Halloween joke yet? Do you know what your joke is? And stuff like that. And I just think it's kind of funny that, well, like, just that it evolved to that in some mm-hmm. some states in the US but we don't have that anywhere in here Canada. it's just give candy <laughs> just knock give me candy I might say thank you if my parent reminds me mm-hmm. um, and then and then other states not so it's just uh, it's interesting that it's like quite regional that way yes there was a lot of um, regional kind of stuff like in some places in America they do like the mischief night and the devil's night which is October 30th it's the day before Halloween and it like started out as kind of like a 
pranks and jokes and you know just like wreaking general kind of light havoc kind Fun of pranks, stuff not like yeah and then it like morphed into like vandalism and destruction of property and stuff so <laughs> and then Good the times. city officials were like abort mission pull yeah. this one back um by the late 19th century, children would be pulling harmless pranks on their communities for Halloween, and adults quickly frowned a bribery technique that works for all children. Candy. And that is how trick-or-treating was kind of born in its, like, current state of candy oh. instead of fruit and money. Right. Yes. Um, by the late 1920s and 30s, Halloween was becoming commercialized. They had pre-made costumes. Did you say commercialized? I slurred over <laughs> my words there. <laughs> I think you just made up a new word. Commercialized. Okay. I, I shared the word rainbowical with my friend this morning, <laughs> the one that I made up when I was a kid and to like describe putting something in rainbow order. So I'm glad that it's forever in my head. Right, um, it was commercialization. <laughs> commercializing. Um, they had pre-made costumes available for children and adults by that point, and you could just go to a store and, you know, be Bugs Bunny. You could go, you know, just to, just be a character kind of thing. Costumes, by the way, are way better than when I was a kid. When I was a kid, when you would go to the store to buy your pre-made costume, okay, this was what it was, like, virtually every costume. It was a onesie suit made out of plastic, like, I don't even know how to describe it, like, like that you know, cheap disposable tablecloth material. Okay. Um, and so it was like a onesie, like no feet, no hands, but mm-hmm. onesie suit and with a big slit down the back and a tie around your neck. And then a hard plastic mask with a elastic string around the back of your head holding it on. And so it was like, I'm a Smurf because my plastic suit is blue and I have a Smurf mask on. I'm Bugs Bunny because my plastic suit is gray and I have a bunny on (laughs) mask on. I'm a robot because my plastic suit is black and I have a robot mask on. Like, that's what they looked like and they were all the same. And they were very uncomfortable and sweaty. If you go on Google and you look up Halloween costumes from before, like commercialized costumes were a big deal, there's this picture of a little girl wearing like a Batman dress that's clearly homemade, and it's literally the cutest thing I've ever seen <laughs> in my entire life. <laughs> it's so, so adorable. So just saying, the commercialization of costumes was maybe not such a good thing in the start. I bet the homemade ones were much nicer at that point. Um, let's see. Where should I go next? Um, after World War II, the economic boom had candy manufacturers just basically jumping to manufacture candy. Sugar rationing was over. They were like, it's candy o'clock, everybody. Uh, And that made the holiday a lot more popular. There was more Halloween candy available, more people were producing it, it was more widely available, and people were more likely to have it to give out as opposed to other things. Well, and it's the, like, biggest um, income thing for candy makers of the year. In 2015, it was estimated that Halloween sales made over $6.9 billion. It's one day. One day. Like, literally speaking, it's like five hours, so... (laughs) I know. (laughs) So, like, that's all, like, almost $7 billion for, like, literally six hours. It's literally, like, a quarter of a day. It's a a good, uh... Um... The holiday has progressed from fruit in exchange for jokes to spirit Halloweens just manifesting on street corners wherever people think too hard about jack-o'-lanterns <laughs> in one spot. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's really just, you know, 
freaking skyrocketed at this point. Yeah. Um, I did look up the myth of jack-o'-lanterns and how that came about, and it was basically this old Irish myth about a guy named Jack who tricked the devil on more than one occasion. Oh, at one point, one. he tricked the devil into turning himself into a coin to pay off a bar tab he didn't want to pay, and then he kept the devil in coin form in his pocket next to a cross so he couldn't change back into his devil form from the coin form. And the devil eventually, like, bargained with him to return his form, and Jack is like, cool, bro, but only if you leave me alone for a year. And the devil's like sold and leaves him alone so then the devil comes back after a year and jack tricks him into climbing up a tree to pick some fruit and then he carves a cross into the trunk of a tree so that he can't climb down and he's like bro this again like what what, what are we doing here come on you think the devil would be smarter than this and i know right not make deals with him anymore the devil went down to georgia and apparently made some dumb fucking deals <laughs> like bro <laughs> come on so He's basically like, bro, this again? And Jack's like, yeah, leave me alone for ten years, and, like, I'll let, I'll let you down from the tree. And he's like, fine, whatever. Unfortunately for Jack, he dies a couple of years later, and God won't let him into heaven because he's basically led this sinful, fraudulent kind of life. But the devil also can't let him into hell because he's made this deal to not interact with him for a decade. And then he basically banishes him and is like, you're not allowed here at all, and your curse is to walk the earth forever alone and like you'll only have these coals to light your way so he handed him glowing coals and jack put them in a turnip and used that little turnip lantern to light his way so he was jack of the lantern and uh that's super weird but also <laughs> i think it's funny that irish people were like we're gonna carve little faces into turnips and potatoes and then they moved to america and they were like well pumpkins are clearly better suited for this <laughs> more real estate on a pumpkin to get your face in. It's prime real estate, man. Um, I also looked up some uh, black history on Halloween because I don't know. I feel like a lot of times history focuses on like how white people experience history. True. So it can be like difficult to find information on like how did, you know, indigenous people celebrate Halloween? Did they even? Like, was was that a thing that anyone did? Right. Hard to find information about any of that. But I did find some information on Black American history. Um, Halloween, as we recognize it today, is a myth of, like, the Catholic All Hallows, All Saints kind of celebrations, where they moved on from celebrating spirits and the dead to celebrating saints and holy people within the church. And that was, like, you know, kind of the church's way of being like, okay, we got to do something about this. I think they used to celebrate in, like, May or something and then they moved it to be in conjunction with pagan holidays so they could be like, we're going to make it easier for you guys to, uh, what do they call it, convert? convert. Yeah. Well, but they, they did that with a lot of things, I think. Yeah, like, they did. Oh, they moved you have a lot this of pagan around. holiday, let's just slap our holiday on that too. And Jesus we'll was absolutely <laughs> born on the solstice and not somewhere yeah. else in the year. It's cool, whatever. Um, <laughs> when black enslaved people were brought to America, um, their culture either adapted or was lost like many other things you know mm -hmm. the celtic history adapted and then romans you know conquered the celtic areas and then their history became the thing and you know it's all kind of evolved right. to a certain point and maintained on some level and you know i enslaved people were at risk of losing that history if they didn't adapt it because it basically wasn't allowed otherwise you know um, the Catholic Church formally recognized ghosts as real, and a belief in them was seen as normal and fine at that time, so it wasn't weird for that, and thus it was okay for, 
uh, enslaved people to basically be like my ancestors are still visiting me like that was an uh, like something that they were still kind of allowed to think I guess huh. and that allowed them some level of maintaining like kinship and family bonds even though they were alienated isolated not allowed to be near their families sometimes taken away from them for the rest of their lives you right. know and this allowed them to kind of believe that they were still being visited still being watched over still whatever in some way um these were called haint spirits or hant spirits depending on the dialect of the area that you look at and they were a pretty big part of black supernatural lore at the time and even in modern day are still considered in some areas a large part of that supernatural lore they're kind of tied in with like hoodoo and other things that were like brought over to america <clears throat> Um, enslaved people would use excess indigo to make a paint called Haint Blue, which was supposed to keep spirits away from homes. Indigo was hard to grow, it was very expensive, and when uh, white people moved down to the southern states, they were like, wow, this grows super duper well here, and indigo became like one of the staples of the slavery industry. Huh. So there was excess indigo, and they would mix it with other things to make paint that they saw as keeping spirits away. It would confuse the spirits, make them think it was water, and they can't cross water, so they can't come here. What did they paint with it? They would paint entry points. Doors, okay. windows, anywhere where a spirit could enter a home is what gets painted with it, and that's why still in some areas in New Orleans, there will be shutters, doors, trim on houses painted with this blue. It's kind of a robin's eggy kind of color. You can Google haint blue and see what the shade is exactly. Hmm. But there are even some like ceilings of the porches. If you've ever seen a New Orleans house, you'll know that they kind of have a roof over the balconies. Right. And the ceilings of those are often also painted that haint blue color because that's also seen as like an entry point. You know, it's an overhang of a place that you can come in. <clears throat> so it's supposed to trick the spirits and you can still in modern day find that paint color being used for some things, even though it was something developed by slaves. Um, haint tales were a way for those enslaved people to maintain that connection, like I mentioned. So they would tell stories of spirits that were coming to aid, they were coming to give you help, to protect you, to protect your family. It was a way of feeling safer, I would say. Like, mm -hmm. you're, you're in this horrible freaking situation that seems right. endless, and realistically it was for a lot of people. Um, some other ideas for that uh, included comforting the sick, comforting the lonely, and even uh, getting revenge in some situations. They would think that those spirits were there to, like, you know, get revenge on the masters that dealt them a violent hand in life, caused mm -hmm. them a violent death directly. You know, there was a lot of belief that they were, like, there to be malevolent only to the people that were malevolent themselves kind of thing. Right. You know, they're they're the Dexter serial killer of, <laughs> of ghosts. <laughs> they're here to only fuck with the bad people. So... Despite being kidnapped, sold, isolated, alienated, they found a way to maintain some kind of connection to pre-slavery beliefs about ancestors visiting after their death. Um, enslaved people sometimes believed that those who died violently would be revisited, and they, you know, they, the people who died violently would come and... <laughs> visit the violent perpetrators just constantly. They, they would either haunt you, they would kill you, they would... A little revenge. Yeah, so, I mean, on the one hand, they saw them as, like, kind, caring, but on the other hand, they were like, you don't mess with those guys. <laughs> you don't mess with any of us, because maybe we'll become a bad spirit, That's right. too, in some beliefs. Like, hey. Oh, no. Um, but, yeah, they brought misfortune to bad people, even if they weren't necessarily those who did bad to them kind of thing. Um, 
when enslaved people would mourn for their dead, it was not uncommon for rituals or some kind of hoodoo practice to take place. Uh, they had roots in West African culture, and they were commonly done alongside mourning and to protect the dead themselves within the spirit realm or from other malevolent spirits. Um, one of the many rituals done that I have personally seen before is making bottle trees. There's a belief in a lot of African cultures that spirits can be trapped or live inside of glass bottles. Oh, so yeah, they'll hang them that. from trees because the spirits will get trapped in there at night and then be destroyed by the sun in the morning, keeping the dead safe. So, I mean, I've seen that before. That's definitely something I have seen is bottle trees near places where people are buried. Mm -hmm. And, I mean interesting thought process super pretty and also apparently very effective against bad spirits <laughs> dual purpose exactly um throughout the last several decades some religious black americans chose to hold church events like hallelujah nights mm -hmm. um instead of halloween to escape both religious issues like believing that demons were involved with celebrating something like halloween right. and also physical issues like facing violence instigated by racism disguised as halloween mm, mischief yeah, yeah. and trickery and whatever and Obviously, that's been going on for a long time. Not a good time for anybody. Right. Um, black teens were often targets for violence and abuse during Halloween. Harassment, assault, and injury did happen. Sometimes people were killed in hate crimes that obviously had very little attention in, like, Jim Crow era America mm -hmm. and even some periods afterwards. <clears throat> people just didn't really care, and they were like, it's just Halloween mischief that went too far. It's like, I read a story about, like, eight white teenagers that were throwing firecrackers at every black teenager that they could see trick-or-treating on Halloween and then they shot one in cold blood and only one kid went to jail for less than a year. That seems fair. <laughs> Super fair. What? This happened a long time ago, I'd like to clarify. This didn't like, happen recently, but still, that's like, even in racy, racist uh, e times, mm, too much. Well, you know, the Ahmaud Arbery trial is going on right now and True. they've got kind yeah. of a similar defense. He was running in the wrong neighborhood. <laughs> um, mischief nights and devil's nights are common in some American states. Never heard of anyone celebrating them in Canada, but it's um, when you kind of uh, do some chicatery, I guess, before <laughs> the day before Halloween. It's uh, October 30th, and it's just uh, pranks and hooliganism, I guess. <laughs> um... It eventually turned into vandalism and destruction of property, like I mentioned earlier. Some cities attempted to throw events to entice kids and teens away from committing actual arson and property damage, right. <laughs> I guess. So they would be like, we have dancing, we have candy, we have games, and some would be lured away from committing actual crimes. Fine, I won't burn that building down if you're going to give me a chocolate bar. Um, but sometimes it was still an issue, and there uh, was a case that I read where, like, some people point to, like, the the Detroit area has, like, really bad Devil's Nights, and that they were, like, you know, very, you know, black teenagers were burning a lot of stuff down and ruining everything and blah blah blah, but it's, like, when people have looked at it, it seems like a lot of the people that were burning stuff down were people from other cities that deemed that area, like, acceptable to, <laughs> to fuck with kind of thing. And also that, like, in 1984, 810 fires were set on Devil's Night in Detroit. 800 fires in one city is a lot of fucking fires. That is a lot of fires. Even for people doing, like, prankstery, funny arson, whatever. Is arson really a funny prank? That's why I said it in a dumb voice. <laughs> it's not funny, and it's not a joke. It's not a joke. Um, it's just a joke, bro. Don't worry about it. Um, but a lot of people believe that that wasn't all, like, 
hooligans and people deciding that it was like a city that was okay to burn to the ground basically but that it was people taking like a last ditch effort to protect their city from a growing drug problem and that these abandoned buildings and houses were being used to both sell and use drugs in and they were trying to get get rid of those areas in addition to that if you get rid of all of the derelict buildings that people are coming from other towns and saying like oh well this is a shitty building and we can burn it down out of this shitty place then it's already gone they have nothing to burn down so they right. go somewhere else if they're gonna burn something <laughs> do down. it all in one fell swoop and so be done with it. i mean it seems like that might have been one of those things where it was a little bit whitewashed when we <laughs> when we look at it in the modern day um Let's see. Uh, Pre-war Halloween in America was usually very family-oriented. It had intergenerational parties, but sugar rationing in World War II really put Halloween celebrations on the back burner. It was really just not a big deal after that. Um, The post-war era recognized a new developmental group, the teenager. Mm -hmm. That kind of wasn't a thing before World War II, and afterwards it was like teenagers exist. So Halloween kind of became a individualized things. Adults had parties, kids had parties, teenagers had parties, and they were separate events most of the time because it was seen as like a rite of passage. It was a night when you weren't being supervised by your parents and you could do crazy wild things and dress up all silly and, you know, it was seen as this like big event that Mm -hmm. teenagers would like, you know, really be preparing for kind of thing. And, you know, there's lots of like news articles from the early 1900s even where people are like Halloween is so great relive your childhood nostalgia and it's like they're catering to nostalgia about Halloween in the 1920s (laughs) funny (laughs) but then like the 1950s rolls around and it's like Halloween is new and it's not about hanging out with your family anymore and it's about doing your own thing which is kind of what I appreciate about Halloween today like it's one of the few holidays that we celebrate in the modern day on like a mass scale that isn't revolved around you hanging out with your family which like that's true which like some people have great families my extended family kind of sucks so (laughs) concur I don't want to spend holidays with them therefore I like Halloween um, let's see. I had something else I wanted to read here. Um, a 1927 article advised Halloween party throwers to have on hand apples, donuts, apple cider, nuts, shelled and unshelled. Important. Uh, figs, dates, and raisins. No candy is mentioned in this list of things that you should keep on hand for your Halloween party, and I'd like to just <laughs> call attention to the fact that modern children would be pissed off <laughs> yeah. by like six of the seven things. Nobody's going to be like, "Sweet, they've got figs." This is the party I want to go the to. The only thing people are going to find acceptable about this list is the donuts. Everything else is getting your house TP'd. <laughs> I did read something, and now I can't even remember the specifics of it. But the thing that why apples are such a part of Halloween, mm-hmm. like apple bobbing, and and that's like such a part, is because there was. Um, like a tree goddess or something and it was like her day around that time so that sort of got sucked into Mm -hmm. halloween and stuff like that too so i was like oh okay that's interesting okay that makes sense with the with all the apple things that go with halloween what do you think is the um like appropriate trick-or-treating cutoff age at any point if you're still putting effort into wearing a costume i will give you candy I don't care if you are 35, I don't care if you're 16, if you're doing more than like a t-shirt with a character on it, I'll give you candy. Okay, disagree. I, <laughs> my, I think that elementary school 
end of elementary school. Once you get into high school, I'm still all full for like. Hey, so you're like hardline, like 10, 11 kind of thing. 12. I say well, 12. other places have middle school, so elementary school cuts off earlier. Okay, well, I'm saying when you're in high school that I don't think you should trick or treat. I think still dress up. Parents can give you candy. You can go to Halloween parties, all that kind of stuff. But I've had full grown adults at my door, and I have to say it bugs me because I'm just like, you didn't even like try and bring somebody's toddler with you to. <laughs> I mean, you told me I wasn't allowed to go trick or treating past twelve, and I continued to go until I was sixteen. I know you. You pretended you were going other places. And... What did you want me to do? We live in a town with no things. My options were getting drunk at fourteen or going to get free candy. I bought you bags of candy in exchange for not going trick or treating. You took those and also went trick or treating. There's nothing else to do on Halloween night, so. I don't know. That's I would also I would I also like to point out that currently at 24, I still get clocked at, at being around like 15 years old. <laughs> I would just like to point out that no one was looking at me trick-or-treating at 16 and being like, well, you're about to graduate. They all thought I was 12. <laughs> like, generously, they thought I was 12 at most kind of thing, you know? But, you know, I'm not going to say anything to anybody. I'm not... I'm, not going to be one of those people that's like, aren't you a little bit old? To be I will absolutely say something if you're not dressed up. I don't care how old you are, but if yeah. you're not putting any effort into, like, that's the only thing I care about. You have to put some level of effort Just into your something. costume. I know. Do the makeup, buy like a mask and a suit. You know, it has to be more than you doing like a, a t shirt and like a, you know, the ski mask. Or, like, it's got to be like something more than like that's, shit you dug out of your closet right, 45 like, minutes ago. Yeah. Um, when, when, uh, so your eight-year-old sister mm -hmm. wanted to be a pirate for Halloween, mm -hmm. and so we had the pirate costume, which is like the Jack Sparrow Disney costume. Yeah, and so she was all excited to do that, and then like two days before Halloween, she was like, "I don't want to be a pirate," and I was like, "Well, we have a pirate costume because we live in a small town. It's not like we can run out to Walmart here and buy a different costume. Yeah. That's not really an option here." So she was like, "Well, I want to be a witch," and I'm like, "But." I don't have a witch costume for you. I have this pirate costume because you wanted to be a pirate. And so I finally get out of her that she's like, what if people think I'm a boy? And I was like, are you kidding? The biggest, baddest pirate in all of history was Ching Shi. And she was this, um, you know, terrifying pirate who had like 400 ships and 50,000 pirates in her crew. Like she was the biggest yeah. pirate of all time and she was female. And she was like, really? And I was like, uh-huh. And she goes, well, what did she wear? And I said, exactly the Jack Sparrow costume. So <laughs> then she was good to go. And we also attached a pink feather to her pirate hat. So then she was uh, she was all okay with it. So My favorite pirates were a couple of lesbian <laughs> babes that were just pirating it up together. So, I mean, it's not like lady pirates were nothing. <laughs> oh, um, Mary, what were their names? I can't remember. Mary, no, sorry. One was Reed and one was Bonnie was the last name. Mary, Mary Reed yes. and Bonnie. Anne Reed, Mary Bonnie. Something like that. Yeah. Um, and so, anyway, so we went out with the group trick-or-treating with the... It was torture for an yeah. eight-year-old to have Halloween on a Sunday this year. All day. It was like, how much longer? She was just dying. And so, as soon as she saw the first kids out on the street, it was like... It's I give up. I'm just going. I'm putting on my costume. I'm just going to go by myself. And I was like, just relax. Just wait for your friends across the street. So anyways, finally they come out. And 
we're all going and our neighborhood is very like lots of houses close together so it's great for trick-or-treating so they're just zigzagging back and forth across the street this whole group of kids and the poor two-year-old is running as fast as her little legs in a unicorn costume can take her and you know everybody's left and going on to the next house and she's still trying to climb the stairs up to the house and so it made me think of when I was a kid and we lived way like about 10 kilometers out of town on a dirt road and the houses were some of them were like you walked for 10 minutes to get to the next house so and there was always snow it was always freezing and my mom would make me wear my snowsuit over my costume which was always very upsetting so I always had designed things so that all the warm layers would be underneath the costume for my kids because that was just very upsetting every single Halloween and so my dad would drive me have to drive me to the between the houses <laughs> and so my teacher in this was like I can't remember about grade five or so lived on our road and so my dad drives us to his house and I trick-or-treat and he opens the door and he's like is it Halloween it's like it's the your elementary school teacher they should know when Halloween is right and I was like um yep and he's kind of like patting his shirt pockets and everything and I'm going um it's okay it's okay and he pulls out like a tube of Hall's throat lozenges <laughs> and takes one out and gives it to me <laughs> not even the whole tube just the tube so I get back in the car and I'm like he gave me a Hall's and my dad was like what <laughs> and I said He's like, he gave you a tube of halls? And I'm like, no, he gave me one halls because he forgot it was Halloween. So, you know, and then we go to the next house and the people would be like, is it Halloween? Um, here's a nickel. And I'd come back to the car and I'd be like, they gave me a nickel. And so wasn't that fun? And then the one year that I was like, haha, I'm going to outsmart my mother and I'm going to be, I think it was a present, like I made a thing out of a cardboard box mm. that I wrapped and stuff, so I could not wear the, <laughs> my snowsuit over top of it. But then I couldn't get the box off and I peed my pants and peed <laughs> my snowsuit. But I didn't want to disrupt the festivities because I'd finally gotten my way, so I just didn't say anything and carried on. It's trick-or-treating. All right. And another um, memorable <laughs> Halloween was I borrowed my friend's, she had a mouse costume. Mm -hmm. And a mouse. That was like a figure skating costume. So it was kind of like I was wearing tights and a, and a bodysuit with a tail, but it had like a, a mouse hood attached to it with big ears and stuff. And I got really nauseous during the day and I was in music class and we all had to play the glockenspiel every music class, like literally for years. That was what we did was Fun. there was rows of glockenspiels and you lined up behind your glockenspiel and it was bing, 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 bing. Yeah. That Fun. was all of elementary school English or music class. So anyhow, I threw up on my glockenspiel mm. and great. That sounds easy to clean. <laughs> Carmen DeHoog, who was definitely my friend of me in elementary school, mm -hmm. the music teacher was like, Carmen, clean that up. <laughs> so, kind of bad, kind of good. Carmen, I hope you have biohazard training. <laughs> I know. So, <laughs> it was upsetting that I threw up, but kind of happy that Carmen had to clean it up. And then, <laughs> my dad Carmen. came to the school to pick me up, and he was like, do you want to go home? And I was like, nope. And so, I got to stay. Okay. I felt better after the puking, so... You usually do. That's usually how it works. <laughs> so, those were some favorite, um... Well, I wouldn't say favorite Halloween memories, but just... They very much stick out in my memory. Mm. That's fair. Yeah. 
And, you know, there was the year when you were smaller and your sister wanted to be a devil for Halloween. And I thought, okay, well, that'll be an easy one to find. And nobody made a devil costume for kids that was not a sexy devil costume, which is very disturbing when you're trying to dress up like (laughs) a seven-year-old. So I ended up buying, like, an adult. It was still the sexy devil costume because that was all that was made, apparently. Mm -hmm. And seems that boys are not allowed to be devils um so I bought like the largest women's sexy devil dress I could find and then I made it into a kid size costume so that it wasn't quite so form-fitting because there was extra material because it was made for someone twice her size so yeah the whole sexy costume thing just bugs me well you know what do whatever you want to do when you're an adult but why do they make kids costumes like that I don't understand it no I agree it's creepy and weird I think that the like dichotomy between boys costumes and girls costumes is very strange when you look at the kids costumes yeah yeah um and then last night um my eight-year-old wanted to watch the cartoon called book of life which we hadn't seen before Mm -hmm. so and she watched it at school on Halloween so she thought it was good so we all watched it And it was making me think about how um, it's such a different thing in Mexico. Like, they still have sort of the the overall thing of it is the same in that the veil between the living and the dead is thin, you Mm -hmm. know, and you can... But a lot of it is very, very different because, like, the whole Day of the Dead, and it goes on for, like, two or three days there, and they make the... A friend... What are those things called? A friendos? A friendos? The... Yeah the The yeah like the displays and offerings and things like that to their ancestors and they dress up as skeletons and things like that and i've been in mexico for it and it's very cool to see all Mm -hmm. the how people are dressed and you know the parades and the all that kind of stuff but yeah it's just interesting that it evolved into something very different there than than what we have here and i mean to be fair most of what i know about it comes from the movie we watched last night and also Coco which are both cartoons and you know I have to assume that the cartoonists did their research because that's where most of my my knowledge on that comes from and when so I'm trying to think about 20-ish years ago friends from Australia came to visit over Halloween and they were just fascinated because they didn't have Halloween in Australia Mm -hmm. and so it was like just a whole like wow thing to them But now my nephew lives in Australia, who is a little kid. Well, like, with his parents, obviously. He's just Um, out there alone in the forest. (laughs) But it's totally, like, he dresses up and goes trick-or-treating and things like that. So Mm -hmm. it's it's amazing that in, like, that amount of time, it's become a thing there now that's that's, uh, that's done and everything like that. So still an evolving holiday. I wish we did more Day of the Dead stuff here because it seems very cool. I mean, I think it might just be because, like... I don't know, the Western world is, like, not religious in that way. And that's when true. It, and when it is, it's anti-Halloween. Yes, that's you know? true. And they are quite a Catholic country, so maybe that's got a lot to do with yeah, it. Maybe it's... Mexico, I mean, not Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, like, you know, the Western world is very, like, you know, there are religious areas, but it's not like they're religious countries where, like, you immediately, like, think about religion, whereas, like... Mexico, like, to me at least, and to a lot of people that I know, like, an immediate forefront thing is that, like, they're quite a religious country. Like, they're quite Catholic. They're quite Christian. They're quite, you know, they've got a lot of stuff going on there. What's the, what's the one where it's, like, the 
traditional Mexican one mixed with Catholicism, like Santeria or something like that. I, I can't remember. I don't know. But there's like, you know, the amalgamation ones where they're kind of like mixing stuff together and it's like that's not really what happened here. Like the Catholic yes. Church was like, we'll move dates around and like pretend to make up holidays that are kind of similar, but it wasn't like they were like, oh yeah, sure, let's like, integrate stuff to keep these things alive. It was just like those got chopped off and we carried on with our lives, whereas yeah. other yes. countries were allowed to kind of grow in a more natural way. So I think that's why other countries have more like interesting in-depth cultural Halloween yeah. celebrations whereas us over here in the west is like it, it's a candy party uh, <laughs> that's the end very of the, not not religious you know? here at all it's like other other countries in their Halloween and Halloween and similar celebrations because like you know I, I wouldn't call Diwali Halloween like I wouldn't like you know equate right. that to Halloween it's not just like I wouldn't say that the day of the dead is Halloween right like yes. they're they're not Halloween but they are like spiritually based yeah, holidays yeah. from other countries that didn't get fucking <laughs> lopped off during their development. Yeah, but you're right. Those are definitely more based in religion than, I mean, our Halloween is like... It's a, it's there's a candy festival. There's, there's no nothing else aspect. going on there. Yeah. yeah. They kind of uh, stopped doing the religious thing a while ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, I read a funny story on the internet when I was looking for Halloween stuff and it was from this guy who I was raised in a like Jehovah's Witness community kind of thing. And his mom was also raised in that kind of situation. So she just never really celebrated Halloween as a child. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't something that happened. So she was unfamiliar with it. And when they left the religion, he was still a young kid. And his new school, where he'd just been enrolled and was making friends, was like, we're having a Halloween celebration. You can wear your costumes to school. And his mom's like, I've never, I've never done anything about that. I don't know, like what do they really do for Halloween? Like, I just know that, like, kids dress up and do stuff. Like, she's totally mm -hmm. unfamiliar. She doesn't know what they do because to her it's like, this is devil worship Pretty, day yeah. kind of. Like, you know, she, she doesn't have any familiarity because she's never been exposed to anything else. So to her, what her knowledge of Halloween was, was parents dress their children as scary things. Mm -hmm. So she sent her child dressed as school, dressed as Hitler. <laughs> and this guy's like... Just imagine little, like, seven-year-old me, clueless AF, because I've basically been, like, religiously homeschooled. My mom also clueless AF, because she's also been religiously homeschooled for her entire life. We leave the religion. She, like, within months sends me to school dressed as Hitler. And when the principal calls her and tries to explain the issue, she, like, doesn't get it. She does not get it, and she's like, but this is scary. Like, is this not concerning to you? This doesn't scare you? She was, like, perturbed that he didn't think it was scary enough. And he was like, no, no, no. We need, like, werewolves. That's that's the line. Fictional monsters, not actual monsters. I don't know why that just made me laugh so hard. Just that the idea funny. of, like, sending a kid to school dressed as, like, Kim Jong-un or something. Well, that's scary. It's fine. Um, what do you do with your pumpkin? after Halloween, I mean jack-o'-lantern after Halloween? Um, I put peanut butter in it and I leave it outside for the squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because and or the deer. I'm not really well, sure who attacks it, but see, it leaves. Normally, we huck ours on the front lawn and deer eat it. Yeah, exactly. I just put it up with the peanut butter. They like it. <laughs> it's still sitting there. Oh. Fully whole because all the deer have died off from that blue tongue disease thing, parasite oh, right. thing that's going and around. And now they so have, like, and now it's, uh, COVID is in the white-tailed deer too, so they're going to start getting that as well. Well, I wonder if, like, this whole thing is, like, deer COVID or something because I'm like, 
where are all the deer all of a sudden? Because usually there's like that thing is gone within half an hour once we put it on the oh, front yeah. lawn. Deer are like, so wait. And now I don't, I barely see deer. Like yesterday I saw. Stuff it with peanut butter and birdseed and the squirrels will come for you. In my three minute drive home from work, I only saw three deer yesterday. Like usually I see a dozen. Yeah. So, that's true. yeah. I don't know. I guess either myself or my husband is eventually going to have to pick that thing up off the front lawn because it's still there. And the, neighbor, the neighbors is rotting. I noticed that because mm. they also left theirs out. Also fun. I could put peanut butter in it. Yeah, maybe squirrels will eat it. Do they eat the actual pumpkin too? It yeah. just goes. Oh, oh yeah. They'll they'll uh. eat the pumpkin too. But like the peanut butter like draws them in, you know, because they like peanut butter. You can also like put bird seed in there if you want, and the bird will come and also peck that boy. It's not like birds mm. don't like pumpkin. Maybe that'll be a good use for the um, sunflower butter that we bought, like you know, peanut butter mm. alternative when. Um, your no, sister's school had the no peanut butter rule for a while. I hate now they that. don't seem to care anymore. But she hated that stuff, so we basically have a full jar of it. Great, um, super so fun. We could use that. How much? How much uh, Halloween candy did you eat this year? Um, not much actually. I bought like a bag of Laffy Taffy and like a bag of Nerds, and that was kind of like the end of my. I've eaten so much Halloween candy. I did go. Drive to another city the other day though, and I went to a Purdy's in the mall, and I got a lot of vegan chocolate because Purdy's makes vegan chocolate now. <laughs> so Excellent. that yeah. was pretty good. Well, you know the nice thing about Halloween candy is that they're tiny. True. And very bite size. So you can have like one 70. bite of this kind, one bite of that kind, but you get variety. It's not like I have to eat a whole giant chocolate bar of the same thing. I get to eat like. 18 different tiny chocolate bars of all different things. Compared to your mother who buys like 18 pound single chocolate bars. <laughs> I know. So, so I'm one kind. I'm good. Yeah, I keep eating them until I feel sick and then I stop. Fair. And then I do it again the next day. You know what? We've got to get rid of that extra Halloween candy somehow. Because mm. I accidentally bought double what we needed. Accidentally, not accidentally. You usually do that, so I'm not going to call it an accident on no. that one. And I always buy the kinds I like, so... Yeah, yeah, you do. Just in case there's... <laughs> just in case there's over. extra, everybody. <laughs> All right, so you got anything else to add? Um, should we discuss uh, favorite costumes? That you've worn in, the, in years past? Yes. Go for it. Um, I think that my uh, top two are probably going to be the mummy costume mm -hmm. and uh, the bat costume. Just for reference, everybody, my mother basically handmade all of my Halloween costumes until I was, like, 11-ish, and past that point it was still, like, customized things that she did, you know? Well, a lot of the time you either picked weird things that nobody made. True. Or all the costumes out there were, like, princesses. Also true. And you were like, I want to be a bat, and I was like, okay. Yeah, and so... then nobody makes a bat costume, as it turns out, so I had to make the costume. The mummy costume was buying material, mm -hmm. dyeing it in tea. I remember. Ripping it into strips. Yeah, you told me this And before. sewing it around and around. Like, I bought a little jogging suit and sewed it all on. And a hat and mitts. Mm -hmm. I remember yeah. the little mittens. It Very was, cute. It was a lot of work. I have but you know what? You wore it, and your two younger sisters also wore it, so... <laughs> I got its use. It's all good. Um, I vividly remember, like, a couple nights before Halloween when I had asked to be the bad you like sitting on the couch putting the finishing touches on it including trying to make the wings stand out which included you taking like the cleaning rod from a plastic recorder and shoving stuffing into this little channel that you'd sewn into like the veining 
of the wing to make it like tight enough to give it a solid thing. I don't know why like that is what's burned into my head. You're just like fisting this bat wing with a recording yeah, cleaner. Yeah, a, <laughs> a lot of stuff. That was really good for and me. And the Medusa costume I made you in that, oh, that one too. Good. Yeah, had to make a mirror wanted to be Medusa. Again, no one makes a Medusa costume mm, for a, like, how old were you? About eight or nine probably. Oh yeah, probably. And so I had to make a Greek goddess costume and then buy a bunch of tiny rubber snakes and hot glue bobby pins to the back of them and yeah. I will say though, I felt like I was one of the um, muses on the jar in Hercules, so I mean, good job on the dress man. <laughs> that, that was kind of the... <laughs> that was the, inspiration. the inspiration for the costume. <laughs> Alright. Um, would also like to talk about uh, stereotypes versus characters. If you're... <laughs> dressing up for Halloween, please don't dress as, like, a Native American. Oh, yeah. Please don't dress as, like, a gypsy. Please don't, you know, there there are things that are acceptable and there are things that are not acceptable. And I personally, and in speaking to people who, like, you know, are people of color or are members of the groups that are being depicted in stereotypical costumes, there's like a hard difference between stereotyped groups and characters. Don't just be like an Italian, be the Fonz, be Mario. Like there's a right. difference between, yes. you know, being just like a, a stereotype of a group versus being like a specific person. Yeah. And like, I also think there's a difference between like adults and children. Please don't dress as like Pocahontas if you're like 30. <laughs> If your child is requesting to dress as Pocahontas and you're like, yeah, great, that's fine. Nobody's going to be like calling out your child for being well, it's racist also a Disney or whitewashing princess. or anything. Yeah, exactly. But point being is that like people of color Disney princesses are few and far between. Mm-hmm. There's a million white Disney princesses. Mm-hmm. If you're a white girl, you don't have to be Tiana. Like, right. you know, there's <laughs> other options for you. <laughs> I just, I always thought that was very weird. Like, children they get a pass. You want to be Moana? That's your favorite Disney princess? I don't care. Like, whatever. But when you're 35 and you're trying to, like, defend your choice to make Jasmine look very, very, very white, I'm a little less okay with it. (laughs) Well, dressing in blackface for Halloween is not a good idea, as our Prime Minister found out. (laughs) Hard, hard line, hard line. He really had to apologize for that, even though it was 20 years ago. Yeah, I had a roommate that dressed in blackface for Halloween once, and that was a pretty dividing wedge in a friendship. Yeah. 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 That was not a good time. But yeah, there's a difference between stereotypes and characters. And, you know... There's there's a hard line there. There's there's definitely a difference. If your child asks to be a gangster, probably best to put a stop to that. If your kid is like, I really, really love Michael Jordan and I want to be a basketball player, different thing. He That's the, the different. <laughs> Still don't need to be blackface, though. Yeah, no, blackface. Just, just don't do that never ever. Never allowed. The fact that Michael Jordan's costume specifically comes with a jersey that says his name on it means that there's no way for that. <laughs> right. I would just like to make that clear. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that that's a very weird thing, that people will, like, defend racist costumes. And it's like, I don't think that people are, like, going out of their way most of the time to pick costumes that are going to trigger people and are, like, intending to be maliciously racist. Yeah. But it's not, like, microaggressions in the form of things that are normalized don't exist. 
you yes. know, like things just like, oh, it's just a costume. Oh, it's it's okay because it's a character. It's okay because blah blah blah. blah. Like, at a certain point, there has to be dividing lines. Like, yeah. yes, it's a character, but you're a forty year old, and you can kind of understand why yes. this is maybe like you it, should know. Better. It's not just your favorite Disney princess anymore because she's your favorite. Like, there, you know, there's other things going on. There's connotations going yes. into you as an adult dressing like this, and like I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of weird stuff that people will defend around Halloween costumes when realistically it's like, this is supposed to be fun. Why would you want to create a situation where you're making somebody feel unwelcome or unsafe because yeah, of your costume? exactly. You know? Yeah. Like, I see, like, in recent years, dressing as drag queens and drag kings has become super popular for Halloween. People will, like, hone their drag skills for an entire year and dress in drag for Halloween. Mm -hmm. Great. Fantastic. When people, like, put lackluster effort or put effort into making the drag bad in order to make fun of people who do that in right, their spare yeah, yeah. time different thing like again you're being malicious for the sake of being a dick why would yeah. you want to go out of your way to make someone uncomfortable make someone feel safe on a holiday that is specifically supposed to be just, just fun. fun it's literally just fun there's like there's nothing else that goes along with it it's not like for some people halloween is a religious holiday like right. it's for easter and christmas and stuff. yeah yeah it, that's like that's not the case for halloween and that's just not the way it is if you choose to use it as a spiritual day that's it's not like a widespread freaking thing you know <laughs> right but yeah it's just fun there's no need to to be offensive yeah you don't have to be a weenie <laughs> just for the sake of it <laughs> it started as a fire festival and if you push too hard we'll light another <laughs> There you go. Alright. I guess Excellent. that about wraps it up. Uh, so enjoy your leftover Halloween candy, everybody. Yep. Make and sure to get it on sale if your store still has any in stock. You might want to stock be up discounted. because it's going to be another year before you can get those teeny tiny one bite chocolate bars again. True. Also, yeah. pro tip, start planning your Halloween costume now because I feel like every year I get to like October 20th and I'm like, ah, but Halloween's happening. It doesn't happen for any other holiday. Like my <laughs> brain is always like, yeah, my brain's always very aware of like when Christmas is and like you know that like Easter is approaching and I need to Google when exactly that date is for this year kind of thing. But for some reason, I always like Halloween get just sneak right attacks. after Halloween. Yeah, sneak attack <laughs> right in there. All right, it's just ama sneak attack. Yeah, right. <laughs> Kim's convenience. Reference. Yeah, we've also been watching Kim's convenience. Great time. I've been rewatching it. My mom's been watching the final season, I believe. I finished. You did finish. Excellent. Finished, yeah. <gasps> Wonderful. 10 out of 10. Highly recommend. Enjoy that while you're binging on all of your leftover discounted Halloween candy. Ooh, good call. All right. Have a good day, everyone.